0: You are listening to the practice growth podcast with Sean Terrell welcome to the practice growth podcast I'm your host Sean Terrell and really excited about this week's discussion and our guest dr. Trevor Kuiper dr. Trevor is the owner dentist of Sioux Center dental in Sioux Center Iowa And for those not familiar with the geography of the great state of Iowa, that's in the northwest corner of the state. Dr. Trevor, great to have you on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you for making time to share your story with us today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I am uh,
0: looking forward to this. So the place that I always sort of like to start is just with some background for the audience. So the audience has a little bit of context on kind of how you got to this point of your career. Could you just share a little bit of your story in that regard and kind of your brief biography.
1: Uh, Yeah, I graduated dental school in 2013. And then I went to work actually in the state of South Dakota uh, by Mitchell, South Dakota. And I was an associate there for about five years before my wife and I decided to move um, closer to our families. My wife is from central South Dakota. So we looked out there. But again, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the South Dakota Uh, Geography, but if you're not in the capital of Pier, you're not really anywhere. (laughs) Um, And so we looked around there, but Pier was oversaturated with dentists. Um, So we started looking in Northwest Iowa. And Sioux Center was a growing community and it had a need for another dentist. So we did a startup in Northwest Iowa um, almost three years ago. So in 2018.
0: Okay. So the practice is just about three years old. And I guess first question from that, how has it evolved from the cold start three years ago to what your patient base is today in early 2021?
1: Yeah. So we were, we did a lot of research before we uh, opened the practice and all of that kind of led us to looking at, yeah, Sue Center and seeing how much of a need there was. And we had some pretty ambitious projections, um, we were looking to kind of get to the point of being a a fully mature practice with, you know, 1500 plus patients by the year three point. Um, and, and thankfully, and one way or another, we have made it to that point. We actually made it to that point, um, about three months ago. So about six months before we projected ourselves to get there. Um, so we've had a, a pretty fast growth curve, um, hasn't really slowed down at all, which is a great thing. We were kind of projecting it would start to slow down um, about a year ago, somewhere in there, but it it just keeps on growing and growing, which is great for us. Uh, It just brings on its own (laughs) sets of growing pains and struggles along the way.
0: Well, that's that's an easy follow-up question. What are some of the things that you have to navigate now that uh, weren't a problem three years ago when you were looking at patient one and patient two and patient three?
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny looking back at the schedule from when we first opened, you know, to seeing, you know, four to six patients a day, everyone was a new patient exam. And I was the doctor assistant and hygienist for, for all the procedures, um, till now where we have two full-time hygienists, two full-time assistants. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, 30, 40 plus patients a day, um, kind of rolling through. So the big thing and the big challenges along the way, I think, short of the obvious of COVID, has been um, finding and maintaining the staff to grow the practice in the right direction. Um, The the analogy of, you know, finding the right people to have on the bus Mm. has been uh, the biggest thing for us. And I feel like right now where we're at, we're at a place where we can continue to grow and we have the right people on the bus in the right seats, and we're we're driving in the right direction.
0: How do you handle a startup in a in a new town? In that, I am guessing in, in Sioux Center is population it's several thousand people. What's I guess the, the rough estimate of the population that you navigate off of?
1: Yeah, so it, it's it's right about seven thousand people. Um, you know, about eight to eighty five hundred if you include the college. Uh, the the challenge for us, I think, was. Getting to the place, getting established, and then in a small town it's all about building relationships with with the people that are there so mm-hmm. it's going to you know the random morning meetings that the old people have at their coffee hour you know at, at the Casey's bakery downtown and and you know talking to them being seen at basketball games being seen at football games, just being part of the community and then when patients come in, really, building that relationship and that trust with them that, you know, I, I grew up in Northwest Iowa. I'm a small town guy. I'm, you know, not some big city guy coming in here to, you know, over three you or, you know, take your money. I just <laughs> I'm here to be part of the town and, and build a build a life here.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the areas I want to get a little bit deeper into today is sort of the evolution of this podcast for for our loyal listeners that have been following along since the beginning when we launched back in November of 2020. How we've sort of evolved is to have more of an angle of attack, at least, you know, with every episode that we have. And uh, Dr. Kuiper, I'm really excited to have the topic of practicing in, uh, in a more rural community, uh, kind of get into that a little bit today. Even before we get deep into that, just to back up a little bit. So going to a new town, so Sioux Center is a, is a, a town or a, a city uh, of 7,000 people. So you, I'm guessing there were other dentists practicing there before you moved in. How does someone go about navigating that delicate situation?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's always a little bit of a struggle. Um, because no matter what, you're going to step on somebody's toes. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, you know, at first you, you look around at the other dentists and you, you see them as competition. And, you know, when you are the new dentist in town, obviously you're the new guy in the block, the new competition for everyone else. But thankfully, we were in a position where all the other dentists in town were looking, you know, nine months out for a new patient uh, to find, find time for those.
0: To get an appointment for a new patient. Yes. Oh, wow.
1: So it's one of those things where as much as, you know, they might have had qualms or concerns about a new dentist moving in, they all kind of understood the need Mm. Um, and, and none of them have really bucked that or been upset. They've, they've all been very accommodating, very gracious. Um, we're glad to be part of the community here in that regard. Um, yeah, I, I. Thing for us, the big thing was just making sure that they knew we weren't, you know, gunning for any of them. Mm. And again, part of the small town recurring theme is you build the relationships. You, I went to each of their offices and I introduced myself, talked to them, um, let them know, know where we were at, where where we're coming from, who we were, and you know, it, it's been great. We were all, you know, we were well projected right before COVID started to kind of. Even I'll do a CE course together as all the offices in town. Um, but obviously things changed as did everything else and that got canceled. But that's just kind of a, a, a small you know view of what practice is like in a small town where, where all the dentists kind of on separate offices, but run on the same page in terms of we all know we're in this together.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's uh, a couple things came to mind there. So I'm from Northwest Iowa as well. And just kind of the, the way of the world in that part of the state, I'm sure that Dennis there uh, appreciated you coming in and just introducing yourself and shaking their hand perhaps. And rather than doing it sort of a little more cloak and da- dagger, you were just more upfront about who you were and what you were trying to accomplish. And that probably set the tone. I'm speculating to, to have the best possible relationship and, and keep everything friendly in a, in a smaller type of community.
1: Oh, absolutely, and that's what we were going for. I mean, at the end of the day, those practicing dentists are going to be ones whose relationships we have no matter how many patients we have, no matter who the patients are. um, We're going to have those patients, you know, that go from one practice to the next, and at the end of the day, we want to build those established relationships with the other providers in town because we're not competing with, I at least feel like, we're not competing with them as much as we're competing for our patients' dollars with, you know, Walmart. Like, I mean, your choice is buying a big screen TV or getting a crown on your tooth is more important to the patient than, well, is dentist A or B going to do it?
0: Hmm. And kind of just to add on to that point, uh, you know, for a dentist that is is pro-dentistry and pro-oral health care, to to your earlier example that they were backed up nine months for a new appointment, I would have to think that they could recognize they were at capacity and for the benefit of the people that live around them would be happy to have someone that could alleviate that capacity on some level.
1: Oh, I would certainly think so. I mean, there's days now where we get to the point where a new patient is, you know, three, four, five weeks out, which is vast difference from when we first started. (laughs) And I even have a little bit of, um, a momentary freak out inside in that it, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not doing the patient a, a service if I'm not getting them in, you know, this week, I can't even imagine looking eight or nine months out trying to fit someone in hmm. that would, that would be a little bit of a, yeah, a, a moral challenge as a, as a healthcare provider.
0: So a couple layers to this, it's not only practicing in a rural community, but it was also a cold start for you as we've talked about. And I kind of want to ask one more follow-up question and and close the loop on that sort of aspect a little bit before we dive into the practicing in a more rural, smaller town. How did you navigate practicing somewhere else full-time for five years? Uh, I know you have a family and you're trying to get your other practice off the ground. Did you moonlight, so to speak, or how did, or were you kind of practicing during the day and doing a lot of the legwork work and the, uh, all the I guess paperworks probably a too high level but there's a lot of planning and, and meetings and decisions that have to get made to build a new dental practice how did you navigate all that
1: yeah it was it was a lot of late nights um, my wife thankfully is an accountant so mm. her skill set definitely complements mine in terms of the scratch start um, you know I could come up with all the dental. Inventory, supplies, all that stuff, you know, what the layout was going to be working with our, our contractor in terms of, you know, building design and all of that. And then having an accountant be the one that's helping to manage, okay, here's what we're going to do as far as, you know, business establishment, you know, taxes, all that other stuff that, all that needs to get done, especially when, like you said, I'm I'm a full-time practicing dentist you know, three hours away from where the clinic is being built. I mean, in the Mm. process of building the clinic, I think we came here when we closed on the property we own, we came here after the foundation was poured and then we came here before they put up drywall. Those were the three times we actually came and saw the project other than when it was finished. Oh, wow. Wow. Um and that I think has a lot of credit to go to our contractors uh, that we used Downing out of uh out of Ankeny and or Indianola, excuse me, Indianola. Mm
0: -hmm. Um Yeah.
1: And they Joe Butler and his team did a fantastic job. I mean, they took a lot of the stress off. We got weekly updates from them. We had pictures, videos whenever we wanted it. Um but yeah, it was it was a lot of late nights doing doing the background stuff.
0: Yeah, Joe has been a, a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast and has a strong reputation, as as does his company, Downing Construction, in the dental industry. And that was sort of my follow-up to that was you've only actually seen it with your own eyes a few times before it was done and you could open your doors. But <laughs> you kind of answered my question in that I suspect you were getting pictures or videos of something along the way because the curiosity would get the best of anyone in that situation, especially with oh, yeah. the amount of money and, involved, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, when you're when you're looking at that many dollars, you're spending on it. But uh, uh, again, part of the good and bad of being in a small town is that my family is only 20, 30 minutes away from where we're at. And Sioux Center has the Walmart in the area. So my parents would, you know, drive by the building a couple times a week when they're on the way to Walmart and Mm. take pictures, call me, tell me, Oh, Hey, this went in today. So, Welcome to small town life where everybody knows everything about you before you even step foot into town.
0: My dad uh, calls that being a sidewalk superintendent in that anytime anyone's working on anything in a small town in in northwest Iowa, there's there's always people around that are keeping an eye on things, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. And usually they're not afraid to tell you what you're doing wrong. too.
0: (laughs) Opinions are. Uh, not in short supply. So to cover a little bit more of that transition from being an employee, being an associate to owning your own practice and the, the transition there, what did you learn as an associate the first five years in practice as a general dentist uh, that helped you to mold and build your own practice in the vision that was best for you and your family?
1: Well, oh, man, that's a, uh... That's a big question.
0: Um, <laughs> we can break it down a little bit more if we well, need that's to. That's all
1: right. The The practice I joined in South Dakota actually had two locations. Um, with I was one of two dentists there and had a staff of close to 30. Oh, wow. Um, it was a lot of kind of piecemealing, Tetrising schedules for, you know, this person wants to work two th- days a week. This one wants three. They want to work here, there, everywhere. So trying, you know, managing all of that was, and, and watching all that being managed, trying to help out was, was one side of it in terms of the, the bigger picture ownership side of things. Um, but the other thing was just graduating dental school, I went to a place that the nearest specialist for anything was two hours away. So your patient's in pain, they need a root canal. They're like, you know, doc, you either do the root canal or you take the tooth out. And it kind of forces you in some ways uh, to get better quickly and kind of push yourself beyond the comfort zone to help those patients and to, and to take care of them. And I, I think I grew a lot. I got very proficient at procedures. I would have had a lot less of opportunity to do had I not been in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that helps going to a... Going to a startup, going to a new town, when you can say, you know, hey, I've I've been there. I've been doing this for five years. I've done virtually everything you can think of. So, yeah, bring it on. Um, and that that clinical confidence, I think, goes a long way with the patients.
0: That's interesting. So, many patients, if I'm hearing you correctly, would prefer you just pull the tooth rather than make the investment of a four-hour round trip to literally get a root canal, which is not a pleasant experience for many people either. Um, so, if you could do the root canal, they would trust you, even if you were up front with them. that that's going to take you a little bit longer at a high level uh, than than someone who does that, like an endodontist, every day.
1: Oh, absolutely, no questions asked. That was, yeah, that was a, a <laughs> weekly conversation.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. So let's dive in a little bit deeper into practicing in, in a more rural setting. You mentioned. Uh, relationships being the centerpiece of how you think about that. So you said uh, basketball games and booster clubs, what other uh, areas have, have you tried to be involved uh, in the community and kind of embed yourself within Sioux Center?
1: Yeah. And in the town here, the chamber of commerce is a big one. We're we're a part of that. We go to their, uh, their meetings once a month, which, I mean, it, even in a small town of, you know, 7,000 people, there's still, Probably on average 100 to 150 people at each chamber meeting. Um, And it's basically kind of the time to socialize and network with the other people in town. Um, You know, going to sporting events, there is actually a, a food pantry here in town that we made it a priority when we started this practice that we wanted to find ways outside of dentistry that we could give back to the community. So, right up until COVID, when they um, made a whole bunch of changes and kind of eliminated the outside um, volunteering at the Hope food pantry. We would once a month go and spend um, like three or four hours volunteering as a team and I think that was a good way of just showing the community that we're we're here we're a part of the community and we're we're not just selfishly you know, taking. We're not waiting for you to come to us. We're going to go out and help you. Mm -hmm. And I think that earned us a lot of, a lot of uh, credibility with, with the community here in the town.
0: So my understanding and correct me if I'm I'm wrong about this is that it's somewhat of a, a yellow flag right now, just in Iowa and probably in a lot of States in terms of getting dentists to want to practice in more rural communities. Is that an accurate assessment?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: So, with that as sort of the 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 that grounding, I, what what appealed to you about practicing in more of a rural setting? I know you're from there, but a lot of people are from small towns, go to dental school, and then end up in the big city. And I'm not a dentist, but that's what happened to me.
1: Well, and I think for me and my wife, frankly, is we we both grew up in towns of you know under twenty thousand people, and we enjoyed the fact that you know we knew everybody in our high school class. We knew. You know, the school systems were going to be good and quality. Uh, We wanted to feel like we could let our kids play in the front yard without worrying about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we also wanted to be in a place that still had some of the amenities of the big town, but neither one of us is afraid of, you know, driving an hour to get to the nearest target. Um, I think there's plenty of days my wife wishes we were closer, but for our credit cards' sake, I'm glad we're not.
0: Anyone with a wife can can uh, can relate to that. But continue. Sorry to interrupt.
1: Oh no, that's all right. Um, I think we just really wanted to feel like it was a place where we could, you know, feel at home and kind of get those small town values, build those relationships with with the people around us, and yeah, just just kind of have that that safety and comfort. And I think. More than anything else, it's also been reiterated and cemented for us uh, through the process of COVID, with just the fact that a lot of the schools in the area, uh, most of them, stayed open through all of it. You know, the communities have you know taken steps to keep people safe, but at the same time, everybody wants to protect those around them, but they still respect and understand people's freedoms, and they want to. Continue moving forward. So it's been fun to see that our kids are still going to school. They're still able to interact with their classmates. Um, Granted, we haven't been to many sporting events. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. still a little bit more tightly controlled and and understandable. Um, But at least, you know, we're still able to engage with people and have those connections that we feel like in a lot of the bigger places have kind of been minimized or negated completely.
0: Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it was a lifestyle choice more more than anything. The life that you wanted to live was in sort of the values and the way of life in in a smaller setting than some of the bigger cities was the biggest appeal.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, My wife and I are, I would say we're homebodies by nature. So for us, we just wanted to have a place that we could call home, spend our time. We want our boys to feel like, Our home is the place they want to be when they're growing up. Um, And yeah, my wife and I, we'll go to concerts or movies, things like that from time to time. But neither one of us is going to be doing that every weekend. Um, We're not (laughs) huge socialites by by any stretch of the imagination.
0: So more dental specific with this question, and it's a two-parter, but... dental or practicing dentistry uh, specifically what are some of the positives of doing that in a smaller setting and and maybe what are some of the challenges with it too
1: sure uh, for me the positives are you're gonna it's a negative two some days you're gonna see your patients when you're at Culver's eating lunch when you're mm. at Walmart shopping you know and you're gonna know them and remember them they're gonna remember you and Building those connections and kind of establishing those long-term relationships, it does make it a lot easier in some regards of, you know, maintaining a patient base and maintaining patient relationships when you're engaging with them and, and, and part of the community. Um, granted, that has its downsides, too, and that you're going to get, you know, John <laughs> Doe coming up to you at the basketball game asking you about his broken tooth. Um, but that's that's just part of life in a small town. Um I'd say, as far as downsides go with being in a smaller town, obviously there's a very fixed amount of patient base available and there is that loyalty there. So you're going to have to really make an effort to build those relationships outside of the dental practice in order to get patients drawn to you. Uh, You know, no amount of Facebook marketing or you know, anything else, newspaper, flyers, whatever you want to do is going to get somebody to come to you and become a consistent patient in a small town without some way of, of building that connection. Um, in this area, it's, yeah, everyone calls it Dutch bingo around here because they ask, oh, who's your parents? Who's your grandparents? And, and they just want to, they want to find that connection with you somewhere or other.
0: Interesting. And my mom is a nurse practitioner in a very small town in Northwest Iowa as well. And I can sort of relate to what you're saying there in that she's kind of the doctor when the closest hospital or emergency room is 25 or 30 miles away. Uh, people know her personally and a lot of times will ask medical related questions in a non-medical setting. Um, how do you handle that when someone comes up to you in Culver's and, and opens their mouth and kind of <laughs> asks you for a diagnostic while you're eating custard?
1: You know, you do the best you can and try and leave it in terms of you know, John. You should probably come by the office. We'll be open, you know, on Monday. Give the office a call. We'll we'll get you in right away and and see what's going on. You know, you <laughs> try and leave it as as lighthearted as you can. <laughs> but I mean, it, I think the other challenge too is that a lot of the a lot of things that. I think dentists almost take for granted in in some of the bigger places with the newer stages of digital dentistry and 3D planning and printing and all that stuff. Is that a lot of the patients around here, especially with the last generation of dentists, kind of nearing their their retirement age in these parts and trying to find younger dentists to come in? Like a, a couple of the dentists in the area here still run on film radiographs. They still, you know, do film pans once in a blue moon. And that's uh, about as close to digital as what they have. So patients coming in and, and seeing even some of the minor things, you know, scanners, CBCTs, going to that upgrade in technology um, can, and what you're capable of can catch people off guard. They, I mean, we have a fair number of just point and pull patients. But trying to convince them to go to something a little bit more preventative is, is a little bit of a challenge too in, in a smaller town.
0: One thing that occurred to me is that being in a smaller town where you're going to bump into patients out and about, that probably can be a really good thing at times and also a really bad thing at times or potentially a bad thing at times in that, you know, it wouldn't take that many people to have a really good experience to tell a lot of other people about the good experience with you. Conversely, in the event that someone had a bad experience, that could also work against you with a little more, more weight behind it, I guess, if that makes sense, than it would in a more metropolitan area where the average patient probably doesn't see their dentist twice a year when they go in for their, their uh, biannual uh, cleaning and, and, and review.
1: That, that Yes, that's very true. The the one caveat, though, is that it always depends on who the person is. Mm. Um, that's the, again, the joy and the drawback of a small town is that everybody knows who you are. And a bad review from somebody who's notorious in the community for not <laughs> maybe getting along with everyone right. can actually be a good review <laughs> to a fair number of people, too. So, it, yeah, it, it all depends on... Who's the one saying things?
0: <laughs> Context matters. I follow. I get yes. what you're saying. Awesome. Well, as we start to wrap up here, is there anything about practicing in a rural setting or doing a cold start in a rural setting that we haven't hit on that you think is is important and pertinent to mention?
1: Uh, no, I think you covered a lot of it. I mean, obviously, I've lived it for the last three years, so I could talk on this for a long time. But I think more than anything else. Uh, I think younger dentists are missing out if they don't at least look into rural settings as much as, you know, big cities have the appeal of, you know, the vibrance, the nightlife, all that other fun stuff. You can still find that. You can still find those things in a smaller town. And I will say that the the pace of life, the pace of practice is just a lot more relaxed. I'm not worried about the competition down the street. We're all all friends. We all have each other's phone numbers. We call each other up. For ideas, questions, it, I feel like it's a lot more conducive environment to growing your career dentally and growing your career professionally. Um, so I, I really do encourage younger dentists to at least look into smaller communities, smaller areas, and, and not just overlook them on the frank number of 7,000 and not 100,000.
0: For people listening that are interested in your practice and your story and would like to learn a little bit more or perhaps even get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that, Trevor?
1: Sure. Uh, my practice website is uh, com. That's probably the best place to yeah, find out a little bit more about our practice, what we do, what we're about. Um, probably the best way to reach me is through my email. It's Info, I-N-F-O, at SiouxCenterDental.com. Um, more than happy to answer any questions, talk about things. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty much an open book.
0: That's Dr. Trevor Kuiper, founder and owner dentist of Sioux Center Dental in Sioux Center, Iowa. Trevor, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for sharing your perspective and your experience and being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carroll Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian or Carroll Financial and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance Tracking Number 2021-117667, expiration date March 2023.